2: This is the Tom Hartman Program. And greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth, and justice, believers in peace, freedom, and the American way. Well, Donald Trump started it. Joe Biden is finishing it. Both screwed it up. I, you know, we just have to, to say that. The Biden administration did not see this moment coming is a, a, a huge testimonial to the bizarre navel-gazing that's been going on inside the Pentagon and the State Department apparently for the last year and a half. Where this really all began, uh, writing about this today over at Harbin Report with the headline, When Will We Stop Letting Our Presidents Lie Us Into Wars? Well, let's start at the beginning, actually, it began right after 9-11. The Taliban actually reached out to Bush and said, we will give you bin Laden, we, we won't give him to you, we'll give him to a third country if you'll give us any evidence that bin Laden had something to do with 9-11. Bush said, screw you, I want to bomb this country. Afghanistan at that point in time was the second poorest country in the world. They had no functioning Air Force. Their army was a joke. It would have been easy to take down, which is what Bush did. He went ahead and took them down. He was in big trouble at that point in time. He was viewed as as an illegitimate president. His father's guy on the Supreme Court, Clarence Thomas, had been the deciding vote to make him president in the 2000 election. This was just what he needed. And for Dick Cheney, I mean, you know, he, Halliburton had acquired Dresser Industries. It was on the verge of bankruptcy. Dick Cheney then became vice president, I think, therefore, and said, hey, let's uh, let's invade Afghanistan. Let's give some fat contracts to Halliburton. In fact, they were among the first to get these huge no-bid, no ceiling contracts. So let's not forget, you know, another president lying us into a war. Polk did this with this Mexican-American war, saying that The United States had been invaded by Mexico. Even Abraham Lincoln called him out on that one. McKinley did this in 1898 with the Spanish-American War, saying that the Spanish had blown up the USS Maine in Havana Harbor when actually the boat just caught on fire. Lyndon Johnson did this with Vietnam. Robert McCormick, his defense secretary, came out and knowingly lied about the attack in the Gulf of Tonkin. LBJ apparently for the first couple days didn't realize it was a lie, but once he figured it out, he went along with it and lied us into the Vietnam War. You know, we have to stop our presidents from lying us into wars. It's just got to be like the new rule in America. So number one. Number two, then in 2019, Donald Trump is looking at, you know, re-election, just like George W. Bush was in 2001. Going to war was part of the George W. Bush's strategy to get himself, a, a, be, to become a two-term president, to get himself re-elected. He was right up front about it. He told Mickey Herskowitz, his biographer, about this. In fact, here, this is Cindy Sheehan uh, telling us the story back in the day.
1: As a matter of fact, in interviews in 1999 with respected journalists and longtime Bush family friend, Mickey Herskowitz, then-Governor George Bush stated... One of the keys to being seen as a great leader is to be seen as commander-in-chief. My father had all this political capital built up when he drove the Iraqis out of Kuwait, and he wasted it. If I have a chance to invade, if I had that much capital, I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to get everything passed that I want to get passed, and I'm going to have a successful presidency." End
2: quote. So you've got, you know, the 9-11 pilots and... and the people who hijacked the planes, were not in Afghanistan, to the best of my knowledge. Now, you know, correct me if I'm wrong on this. I, I believe that all or most of them were not, quote, trained in Afghanistan. That was more for the low-level grunts. Bin Laden was running his little school there. Bin Laden was not in Afghanistan. He was in Pakistan getting dialysis on 9-11. The planning for 9-11, which was done by Mohammed Atta, remember we arrested him? We convicted him of this. He was the mastermind of 9-11. That planning was done in Germany and in Venice, Florida. And when the program went down, Atta was in Pakistan coordinating it. So what does Afghanistan have to do with this? Well, that's where bin Laden, that was where his base was. But what did it have to do with 9-11? I'm not sure anybody to this day knows, but it was a convenient excuse to get into a war. But let's, let's even look at more recently year and a half ago, two years ago, in 2019, Donald Trump is looking at wanting to get reelected in 2020. He figures, I got to start, you know, fulfilling campaign promises. I said I was going to get us out of Afghanistan. So he goes to the Taliban. First, he goes to the president of Pakistan. And he says, you know, this top guy in the Taliban, who is in your jails here in Pakistan, this top guy in the Taliban, his name is um, Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar. I want you to release him from prison. Now, the Afghan government did not want Trump to do this. They were cut out of the, uh, out of the talks. They had nothing to do with these talks. The State Department, you know, previously had been a little, they had, they had been all in, you know, all in favor of this guy being in prison in Pakistan. But Trump said, let him go. Pakistan let him go, Trump then negotiates with him and cuts a deal that all US forces will be out of Afghanistan by May of 2021. Last May, a few months ago. That in 2019 became the signal to all of the 300,000, 350,000 official Afghan military forces that we were basically subsidizing. Some folks put the number at 600,000, which is why I paused that. I've seen the numbers all over the place, but it seems like the official number was 350,000. That basically was the cue to them that when the Taliban shows up, lay down your guns and switch sides because America no longer has your back. Here's Donald Trump bragging about this at one of his rallies just a few months ago. I started the process. All the troops are coming back home. They couldn't stop the process. Twenty one years is enough, don't we think? Twenty one. They couldn't stop the process. They they being it Biden. Went? It was very tough to stop the process when other things are at. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's a shame. Twenty one years by a government
3: that wouldn't last. The only way they last is if we're there.
2: What are we going to say? We'll stay for another 21 years then we'll stay for another 50. The whole thing is ridiculous. So we're bringing our trumps back home. Well, there you go. So Trump cuts this deal with this mullah who yesterday declared himself president of Afghanistan after Trump let him out of prison in Pakistan. And the deal cut the entire Afghan government out of this deal. And so today you've got the the foreign minister of the United Kingdom coming right out and saying that this is, excuse me, the defense minister, Ben Wallace. He said the die was cast when the deal was done by Donald Trump, if you want my observation. But again, I have to say the fact that the Biden administration did not get our people out sooner, and I realize it was all tied up in the Republican hysteria about you're going to bring how many people from Afghanistan to America? Wait a minute. Those people are Muslims. They might be terrorists. They got brown skin. You can't have, you know, I get it. But still. And there are folks who are arguing that that whole argument put Biden in a box, and I'll I'll give you that. But I suspect heads are going to roll at the State Department over this, and maybe the DOD. They should have seen this coming. This should not have been a surprise. And we have got to stop having presidents lie us into wars. It just has to stop. Yeah, we've had two of them in my lifetime, Vietnam and Afghanistan and Iraq. Well, three. And Iraq. We were lied into Iraq, too. And I'm just, like, over it. Your thoughts on Afghanistan, what we should have done, where we could have gone, what went wrong. This is the Tom Hartman Program. And perhaps most importantly, how do we prevent ourselves from being lied into another war by a future president? The Associated Press is reporting. Uh, there's a good piece about it over at the Hill right now. That the United States government has just reached a deal in uh, Doha with the uh, leadership of the Pakistan of the uh, of the Taliban that we can use the airports without being, you know, without any conflict, without being shot at, to export as many people as we want. In exchange for our not using our military force to basically kill a bunch of Taliban people, fighters, whatever, that, you know, of uh, reviving the conflict. And, you know, from the point of view of the Taliban, this makes a lot of sense. You know, let's just let these guys get the hell out of our country. And if they're going to take some of our people with them, you know, good riddance. That's, I mean, I'm assuming that that's their perspective. Uh, if so, that's probably good news, and it's probably good news that will be reported by the president in an hour, hour and a half, when he gives his uh, speech to the nation. That Don't worry, we're going to get this under control, things are going to calm down, you know, the, Tal- the Taliban's going to help us, or whatever. I mean, this, it's now the government of Afghanistan. We're going to have to figure out how to deal with these people. How about starting a mass vaccination program in Afghanistan? (laughs) Uh, uh, You know, maybe it's people go, oh, my God, you're talking about dealing with the Taliban. We deal with the Saudi government. The Saudi government is brutal to its citizens, doesn't allow any sort of, uh, you know, uh, dissent. They're brutal toward women. We deal with the government of the United Arab Emirates. Hell, they gave Jared Kushner a billion dollars. And, you know, these are not liberal democracies. So, you know, if the Taliban is now running, I mean, Donald Trump turned Afghanistan over to the Taliban two years ago. He just put a two year tail on it. That's all. And it's happening right now. So we're going to, I think, personally, I think that we're going to have to swallow our pride and deal with this as the legitimate gover- government of Afghanistan. Now, I realize I'm probably way ahead of where America's at on this, and nobody even wants to talk about this right now. And maybe it's a conversation for you know, later in the week or next week. But uh, there is this thing, you know, we've tried hard power. There's this thing called soft power. We have tried hard power. We've tried military force for 20 years, and you cannot occupy a country with military force. People will always fight back. It is the story of the American Revolution. It's the story of our occupation of Vietnam. It's the story of, of you know, occupations all over the world. Ultimately, uh, the British occupation of India And they got taken down, by the way, and they were trying to occupy India using hard power, and they got taken down by Gandhi's soft power. Nonviolent resistance. Now, in the case of Afghanistan, I mean, obviously it was violent resistance, but bottom line, you can't occupy a country. So at what point do we try soft power? Soft power is you provide food, you provide aid. Afghanistan is sitting on an estimated three trillion dollars worth of rare earth minerals and gold nobody has been able to successfully mine this stuff since it was discovered back in the 1990s back around 2001 when when george w bush first wanted to go into afghanistan you know some of the conspiracy theories you could call them or some of the speculation or whatever about why he wanted to do it. I mean, the, Paul called earlier and said, you know, what were the, what were the reasons? Um, there, was, there were two major, for lack of a better phrase, conspiracy theories, I, I, or attempts to explain why America would want to invade and occupy Afghanistan back in 2001. And one was the so-called Tappy pipeline. General Electric had built this giant natural gas-fired power plant and in India, on the border with Pakistan, and, or near the border with Pakistan, and the natural gas was supposed to come from Turkmenistan. There was a deal to get the fuel for that from Turkmenistan. This is how the story went, right? I've, I've never been able to independently verify this, but you can, you know, there's a, there's a Wikipedia page about it. It's not, this is not some obscure 9-11 truther thing or whatever. Um, that the gas was supposed to go from Turkmenistan through a pipeline across Afghanistan, across Pakistan to India. Thus TAPI, the TAPI pipeline. So that was one theory, was that we had to have Afghanistan in order to have the TAPI pipeline. Another theory was, hey, we just discovered that there's $3 trillion worth of, in particular, you know, uh, lithium, which we need for lithium-ion batteries for cars. And that's why I predicted that if we don't develop or Europe doesn't develop some sort of a, a collaborative relationship with the Taliban, like we do with repressive regimes all over the world, including China, who's got you know Uyghurs and concentration camps. If we don't develop some sort of a relationship with with Afghanistan, China is going to. And a year from now, you're going to see mining operations in Afghanistan supervised by people from china and they're going to be rebuilding afghanistan using soft power not not hard power they're not going to come in with guns and say you must give it to us like we tried to do with the oil in iraq remember dick cheney uh, iraq has 10 percent of the world's oil the largest oil reserves in the world um, didn't work in iraq didn't is didn't work in afghanistan And then, of course, there's the third theory, the one that I laid out earlier, which is that George W. Bush wanted this to be Pearl Harbor. He wanted to be FDR. He wanted to be fighting World War II. You know, FDR just kept getting reelected. And, you know, as Bush said, you know, his daddy only had a three-day war in Iraq. That wasn't long enough to get him reelected. If he got elected, he was going to have a real war. And Afghanistan was his first chance to be seen as a commander-in-chief, was his phrase. Nick, in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Hey, Nick, what's on your mind today?
3: I think the only one we have to blame for this, whether it ended today or 15 years ago, is George Bush Jr. for going in in the first place. So all the blame is laid on him as far as I'm concerned. That's my point. And, war, and, you know,
2: when I remember 1974 when everybody came, you know, when, when Saigon fell and Jerry Ford was dealing with that disaster. Was it 75? No, it was 74, wasn't it? In any yeah. case, um, I remember when it happened, and there was no mention that I recall of how we got into that war in the first place. The fact that LBJ lied us into the war, and yeah. you know, and uh, you know, I'm a fan of LBJ and with the g- regard to his social policies, but you know, his lies cost the lives of two million Vietnamese and 56,000 Americans and yeah. nobody was talking about it and nobody's talking about bush right now I, I watched the news for two hours this morning didn't hear george bush's name mentioned once
3: i Nick. know i know it's a shame yeah i was talked into the war by uh, johnson too so yeah i know what you're talking about
2: yeah we gotta nail this thing down thanks a lot for the call it's great to hear from you kusai in campo california hey kusai what's up
4: Good morning, Tom. I just want to say, first of all, uh, regardless of your, our views about the Afghan war, the men and women who bled and died there deserves better than we leaving the battlefield without any dignity like some thieves in the night. So I that's agree. the first thing I want to say. The second thing I want to say is that we never go anywhere with good intentions. We always install crooks for our so-called democracy and nation changings because they're the only one that will do business with us. We don't go there because we want to do anything better. We will go there because our national interest, which is the big corporations, dictate that we go. And then the second thing is we always pick whoever is going to play well with us, and they end up being crooks. Look at Maliki in Iraq. Look at this mess here in Afghanistan. Are, these are not accidents, these are deliberate acts of our foreign policy because we truly do not want democracies in any of these places. We want business.
2: I'm and not this, sure that it's entirely that we don't want democracy, Kusai, although I, I, I agree with you that if we're, if we're talking about the choice between a real democracy or an oligarchy that, that works with our big businesses, we have historically always chosen the latter but i think anywhere you go in the middle east or muslim countries we do not want democracies i think bush the second when he
4: came into office he was trying to do democracies in the, in these countries but then realized that that's not going to be good for business
2: well and not and only the, that if we, you have a if you have a democracy where everybody gets to vote you're going to end up with an islamic republic
4: well, not necessarily. I mean, you guys are always underestimating the education of some of the people in the world. Thank you. So directly, you just say You're it's the Islamic right. Republic. That's not true at all. That's not true at all. Okay. I mean, the, besides, what's wrong with the Islamic republics? Like, let's say, in Egypt. Look what happened in Egypt. This. this no, I'm not opposed uh, to that.
2: Part. What I'm saying is, I, I was saying from the point of view of the Bush administration.
4: Oh, absolutely, from the point of view. So we end up putting crooks, and our, our, our history for that goes back all the way to... Even remember Luis Lumumba of the Congo Mm -hmm. who was trying to do the best thing for his country. We got rid of him. Yeah, Yeah. so what happens is that we deliberately go there. We go to countries like Iraq, for instance, or Afghanistan. We pick the guy that was going to do business with us. We throw billions of dollars in the middle of the place, and we expect democracy. We're going to get chaos. That's what we want.
2: Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. Thank you, Kusai. Good to hear from you. Mike in Wycliffe, Ohio.
3: Tom gave a great timeline on that, but I think it goes back even further than where you started. Former National Security Advisor to Jimmy President Carter, uh, Zbigniew Brzezinski, uh, initially started this when the Soviet Union was still in Afghanistan. Oh, Charlie Wilson's
2: war. Pardon? Yeah, are you talking about Charlie Wilson's war? Yeah. Absolutely. When we, when we, uh, I mentioned that in my article, we, sp- we, g- we gave uh, Osama bin Laden $3 billion worth of support Ab- to overthrow the Soviets in Afghanistan. We made that man.
3: A- absolutely. And it was a- accelerated uh, by none other than Ronald Reagan, who referred to these people as freedom fighters. That's correct. Now, um, but another aside to that... I hate to say it, but this country believes in endless wars. It it seems to me that uh, our whole economy would collapse if it wasn't for our defense contracts.
2: It's not our whole economy. It's maybe a fraction of of a percent of our economy, Mike. But but they are among the most powerful lobbies in Washington, D.C.
3: Well, uh, let me put it this way they've convinced our senators and congressmen that it's the major part of our economy well and
2: they've built defense factories in every single congressional district in the united states has at least one major defense facility
3: absolutely but to think there that you could stay in afghanistan for even 20 years which is a i mean we fought a full-blown world war in a quarter of that time Correct. And to Twice. think that in 20 years, you're going to come in and occupy a country, and that's exactly what it was. Just like in Vietnam, we became occupiers. Right. And you're going to change their mentality or way of life and it's not going to happen. Yeah. Afghanistan is not even a country. There are two. It's th- a series of regions.
2: Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And they and they and, and they had no functional military, which is why I think that for Bush it was a no-brainer. Let's you know bomb the crap out of Afghanistan. But there's there's well, a, a couple of other points. Number one, 9/11 was not an act of war by another nation, or arguably, if it was. It was Saudi Arabia's. Where you know more and more information is coming out about the you know high Saudi officials being involved in helping plan or fund uh, 9/11, but it had nothing to do with yeah. the Afghan government. Number one, so it should have been Absolutely. treated as a crime. They should have they should have arrested Bin Laden and tried him. Number one, we, there was no justification for a war, and yeah. and and secondly, no country wants to be occupied. We won that war in three or four weeks. The government fell in a couple of weeks. After that, it was no longer a war, it was an occupation. We have not had a 20 year war in Afghanistan. I realize people have been shooting at each other, but that's what happens in occupations. That's what the British were doing here in the 1700s. Um, you know, af- after a while, it becomes an occupation, and you can't win an occupation.
3: Absolutely. And it seems to me that we have the mentality. Uh, Much like Curtis LeMay, when he said about Vietnam, we'll bomb them back into the Stone Age. And another general spoke up and, and told him, General, they are in the Stone Age.
2: Right. And even more so the case in Afghanistan. The Afghanistan was the second poorest country in the world when George Bush decided to go to war against that country. The average income in that country was $700 a year. Per year. I mean, it was it was literally only Burkina Faso was a was a poorer country at the time, you know, which is still a basket case. But, it, you know, uh, Afghanistan is no longer the second poorest country in the world, purely because of U.S. money being poured into military contractors. Correct. And then echoing its way through the economy. So it's like it, from my point of view, Mike. We have to figure out number one: what's the difference between a war and an occupation? And the, and and you know, I, I didn't add these things to my op-ed this morning because I think that they're almost a, an entirely different rant. Um, but you know, what's the difference between a war and an occupation? It's like nobody wants to be. You can't you can't effectively occupy another country. Right. It doesn't work. Right. Closest we came to a successful occupation, arguably, was the Philippines, and look where that got us. And that was the Spanish-American War. That was 120 years ago. Mike, thank you very much for the call. You know, what lessons can we learn from this? How can we become a better country?
0: Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo Concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career.
5: The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need.
0: Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
2: Lara in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Hey Lara, what's on your mind?
5: I listened to also the BBC at night and they've been covering a lot of this a lot more, a lot better than American press. My first instinct is where is the Afghan government in all this?
2: There is no such thing.
5: I know, but I mean, they're supposedly have three hundred thousand troops. Right. It was that was the count? So how many? First of all, how many people are in the Taliban? How many Taliban forces are there? And is there something hinky going on? Did did somebody know something? Uh, you you. You kind of came down hard on the biden administration about letting this happen but i i'm wondering if somebody knew something somewhere <laughs> and that's why we're calling here's here's what happened Laura,
2: and I, I listen to bbc at night too i i listen to their podcasts that's how i get to sleep every night something about british voices puts me to sleep but uh, you know I, I love the accent but in any case uh, the reporting was that when trump cut his deal in 2019 directly with the Taliban, cutting the the Afghan government out of the deal altogether. Over the objections of the, remember when he he in fact he invited the head of the Taliban to to come to uh, right. Camp David on yeah. 9/11, which was yes. insane, and the whole world went uh, what? Yeah. Um, and that was the end of that. <laughs> but anyhow, when he did that, basically the message that went out to everybody in Afghanistan who was taking a paycheck from the U.S. via the Afghan government, this 350,000 men in in you know with with guns that were getting a, a weekly or a monthly paycheck. All of them got the message, keep taking the paycheck. Hey, it's money. But when the, when the Taliban shows up, the U.S. is no longer going to back you up. You're not going to get airstrikes. You're not going to get U.S. soldiers. You're not going to get anything. So just, you know, turn your gun over to the Taliban and say, you know, I'm with you guys now. And which is exactly what happened. And then the other thing that I've seen—I've only seen reported—I I haven't heard it reported once on American television. This, morning. I only listed for a couple of hours, about an hour CNN, an hour MSB, NBC But, but the other thing was that—but uh, I did hear this in the BBC last night was that starting in the months after Trump cut that deal with the Taliban back in late 2019, early 2020, the Taliban started going from town to town meeting with the, the local uh, uh-huh. militias, the local, you know, military forces, the local Afghan government folks. Because, I mean, you know, the, the Taliban is, is the people, right? I mean, it's, it's, a, it's in, to a large extent, yes, it's supported by Pakistan, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, and in fact, the headquarters of it is in Pakistan, always has been. Um, the ISI, ISI, the Pakistan Intelligence Service, invented the word Taliban. Um, but nonetheless, these are afghans they're people you know it's like your neighbors it's like your friends and so the people went to their neighbors essentially and said keep taking that money from america but when they finally pull out be with us and there was like this tacit agreement all across afghanistan that when the Americans left, we're all going to go with the Taliban because you know they they ran the country before. They're predictable. If you had a real democracy, pe- people probably wouldn't vote for them. But you know, what's the old saying? The devil you know is the better than the devil you don't. And, yes, exactly. And, yeah. the, and the Ghani government was incredibly corrupt. They were living, you know, like kings in the in a palace essentially, and you know, in the Green Zone in, in Kabul. You know, had no credibility, and and no Afghan government has had serious credibility in at least a decade in Afghanistan. I think you could argue that none have had any credibility since we took out the Taliban. So, was you know, there I even think that's a link
5: happened. ever? Was there ever a link? I know uh, when the Soviet Union was occupying Afghanistan, uh, one of our one of the American. Uh, ways tactics was the was to start the Mujahideen. Correct. Um, and in, in the 80s to, with, to try with to, Reagan. Yes in the 80s exactly exactly. It's called Is Charlie there, Wilson's War. Do you see War. a line? Yeah do, uh, yeah yeah. yeah that's they right, made a movie but, about um, it. Yeah yeah they did. very a good one actually, I actually mm-hmm. thought. Um, do you see a line clear line from that as well? Oh, or of do you think that's something? You know?
2: No that, that was that was when we began basically interfering in Afghanistan. And the Soviets were already getting their ass kicked. I mean, you know, the, the, the first, the, uh, looking back at the history of Afghanistan, it appears to me that the first country to make a serious effort to conquer Afghanistan was about a thousand years ago, and it was Iran. And they got their butts handed to them. And so, you know, uh, Iran and Afghanistan, two countries in the Middle East that have never been successfully occupied for more than a generation and you know and we're learning the same lesson that the soviets learned and the, and before the soviets it was what was it the french or the british It was one of the european countries the british were the there british. and uh, i yeah. know in the
5: late 1800s i'm not sure how far the you know the russians or soviets were yeah. there but yeah you're right yeah exactly so i mean uh, they, i heard also is the terrain the terrain is just you know one of these there's lots of nooks and crannies and they can do a lot of you know just tactically you know they are yep. they have the tactical advantage of the of It's a, the, a mountainous
2: country yeah. yeah. It's a mountainous country, and yeah. it's a very, very poor country. They're very poor in, in everything except rare earth minerals, which uh, nobody's been able to successfully mine there, although I'm predicting that within a year China will be. Um, but up to this point, nobody's been able to successfully mine those minerals because of, you know, conflict. But my guess is that China's going to come in and offer them the same deal that they're offering all over the rest of Asia mm-hmm. and, and Africa right now, which is uh, we won't involve ourselves in your politics. You can, you know, kill people you can torture people you can prevent women from participating we don't care we just want the minerals and in exchange for that we'll give you a whole pile of cash which is basically the same deal we made with the saudis you know 70 years ago and, oh, and yeah. you know in saudi arabia today people are like oh you know well, what about the women well what about the women in saudi arabia i mean you know the, yeah. the situation is not that different and yet saudi arabia is our ally um, This—it's just a fiasco, Laura. I need to move along, but thank you for the call and thanks for all your thoughts and and for getting me started there on a few things. Tyrone in Harlem, New York. Hey, Tyrone, what's up?
0: I don't know how we are so gullible, man. We we fall for the 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 shiny object all the time. They, you know, this whole uh, mess with with um, with Afghanistan, Afghanistan was never going to. These people was never gonna throw roses at our feet because we were leaving, and they they want to treat us like heroes because we were leaving. That that never was gonna happen. Right. And like you said, the deal was already made. You know, the cake was already baked. They already knew what was gonna happen when America left. They, they made the plan. Yep. So these people are hooping and harrowing about oh, you would just cut and run, and it don't look good. I don't, I don't I don't have no problem with with Biden leaving out of there because we, just, what did they say, $83 million? What, well, mean, here's the thing million? that astonishes
2: me, Tyrone, is, yes. is that for a year, the Taliban has been going you know, to communities all over Afghanistan saying the Americans are going to leave, and, and talking to the Afghan military, right, saying the Americans are going to leave, they no longer have your back, the Afghan government doesn't have enough money to keep paying you, and even if they did, they can't support you we are going to take over. You, can, you have to pick. You know? We'll let you continue to pretend that you're Afghan military, but you've got to be on our side if you and your family want to be safe. And, and, and over the long term, you know, because nobody else is going to have your back. And so they set this thing up. And how did we not know that? I can't believe we didn't know that. Was our intelligence that bad? And that's well, where I'm faulting it. the Biden administration. They they should have they should have started pulling people out of Afghanistan five months six months ago when when uh, the, you know when they first got sworn in, and because you know we've known for a year and a half that Trump screwed this thing up.
0: Yeah, I think they knew it. I think that his, the problem he had was being able to deal with getting them out without the whole thing collapsing right underneath. Now you're closer to the time. Most most of the people are already out. The people that are no, not—that's the, the problem,
2: Tyrone. They're not. No, we, talking about the Americans. Oh, the Americans they, are out. But but you yeah. know, the, the best estimate is that at least eighty thousand Afghans have been direct employees of the United States at one point or another in the last two years. That's eighty thousand people for whom there are records that they worked for us and who you know will have a target on their backs and their families' backs. And we have evacuated so far two thousand of them. That's terrible.
0: That is horrible. That is horrible. And the president ended up leaving.
2: The yeah. president of so you know. Oh yeah, the president of Afghanistan <laughs> cut around yesterday.
0: So this is day before yesterday. I mean, how you, you spend all of this money, you put all these resources in there, and these people just and and it just collapse all around them and there's nothing that Biden could have done.
2: There's well, the one thing that there. he could have done that he's getting all kinds of crap for right now, and I agree with this criticism of him, of this administration, is that they should have gotten the people who worked with us out of the country earlier. I realized that, you know, there there was a lot of people who were saying, oh, no, you don't want that many people coming into America or other countries, whatever, bureaucratic BS. But that yeah. had to have been handled first. Tyrone, You're thank you. You're listening to Tom Hartman.
6: Visit Tom for audio and, video archives.
2: and they failed to handle it, and they're going to have to account for it, and about 45 minutes after we get off the air, President Biden's going to give a speech, and I'm guessing he's going to be addressing that very issue. Sue in Sonora, California. Hey, Sue, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's up?
1: Something that hasn't really been mentioned a lot, and that is just the horrible fate of all of the women in Afghanistan because this was never going to work, whether we were there for a year or there for a million years, because I think most of the men in that country actually are okay with the Taliban. And the fact that, you know, the guys here that run our government are saying, oh, we didn't know this was going to happen. It's because, you know, they're guys. You know? We've got I mean, we've I'm got sorry. probably
2: 20% of the men in America who would be happy with that kind of a situation. They're you know, they're out exactly. there protesting and, women's and rights.
1: I'm, I know, and I'm lucky to live in this country as screwed up as it is right now because I mean, I remember all of this. I'm 70 years old. I know what we had to go through here. And let's give maybe us the one positive thing that we wanted to do there was maybe like bring all of this to them that we have but it was ridiculous of us to think we could do that
2: i do think the one um small upside to all this sue and it and, it, and it's buried in blood so it's hard to to you know uh call it an upside but i, I think it's real And that is that for at least a decade and and arguably longer, we have been running schools for girls all around Afghanistan. And so you've got a generation of young, young, uh, of girls right now who are going to be young women, you know, within, within a decade, who are not going to forget that and who are literate. And that's going to be a force. And it's going to take some time. It's going to be a while, but th- I mean, this is what Saudi Arabia is dealing with. I mean, you know, w- yeah. women being able to go to school and become literate just became a thing in Saudi Arabia in the last generation or two. I don't, I don't recall the year, but you know, within within our lifetime, um, you know, women used to be banned from school in Saudi Arabia, and now they can go to school. And and so and and <laughs> once people get educated, they start saying, "Hey, wait a minute, I want a piece of this action." And so I, I think that we you know we've planted some some seeds that will grow in a positive way and start reducing the power of the patriarchy, but you know, hey, it wasn't until 1920 in the United States that women even got the right to vote.
1: All these women are going to suffer over there, and it's their country, there's not a whole lot we can do from here, and we gave them that bit of glimmer of hope, but I don't know whether that's kind of sad in a way, because I don't know whether they're going to run with it.
2: I don't think that you're going to see a women's movement tomorrow morning uh, challenging the Taliban. I mean, you know, these are vicious men with guns. But over time, I hope. I hope.
1: You're such an optimist. Thank
2: you. (laughs) I don't know what the alternative is, Sue. I mean, you know
1: it's like I feel so bad for those women. I feel too bad.
2: I really do. And for the children who are growing up and you know, particularly the girls. Uh, it's going to be. They shouldn't
1: a, blame Biden because it wouldn't matter whether we got it. whether we we were there another year or not. Because no, as, as the British wrong. Defense
2: Minister said, the die was cast when Trump cut the deal with the Taliban. That's when this Absolutely. and Trump is scrubbing this off his website, and the GOP is scrubbing it off their website right now. I retweeted. Yeah,
0: well, they're evil. So what can you say? <laughs> what
2: can you say, Sue? Thank you for the call. What we have learned in the last few days, or what I learned from BBC reporting, I have not heard this much on the American media, but it's all over the international news, is that in 2019, when Donald Trump was president of the United States, looking at his re-election in 2020, this was pre-COVID, you'll recall, he wanted to be able to claim that he had ended the war in Afghanistan. First, he went to Pakistan and said, please release this guy this mullah who is now the uh, president of afghanistan he has claimed that his name is uh, mullah abdul ghani baradar or baradar pakistan let him out of jail at donald trump's request and then donald trump had an actual phone conversation with this guy half hour phone conversation with this guy and basically, we gave the Taliban, or Trump gave the Taliban, everything they wanted. He gave them credibility. He invited them to Camp David. He ended up withdrawing from that, you know, undoing that invitation because it uh, did not play well on the world stage. It was right before 9-11. This was uh, August, I believe, of, uh, of 2019. But he gave them an, uh, essentially an unconditional surrender. He said that by May, the 1st of May of 2021, of this year, all U.S. forces would be out of Afghanistan. And the country will be yours, Mr. and Mrs. Tal, well, Mr. Tal, that's all there is, Mr. Taliban. Country will be yours. That's what, that's what Donald Trump told them. And so what happened was that was a, and this was a year and a half ago, right? That, almost two years ago, that was a cue to all of the Afghan soldiers that we were paying that something's coming down the road, you better get ready. The New York Times has a, a subhead today on their front page about how uh, the U.S. intelligence and the U.S. military thought it would take 30 to 90 days for Kabul and well for the whole Afghan government to fall. It took less than a week. Why? Because it really did take 30 to 90. Actually, it took about a year and a half. What happened was when Trump announced publicly announced and by the way Trump has now you know he's scrubbing this stuff off his website and the RNC has already scrubbed his statements off their website which is kind of mind-boggling when you think about it but you know Trump came out and said that's it we are out of here this is this is the statement from Donald Trump that has been scrubbed from his website and this was this was a recent one He said, I wish Joe Biden wouldn't use September 11 as the date to withdraw our troops from Afghanistan for two reasons. First, we can and should get out earlier. 19 years is enough. In fact, far too much and way too long. I made early withdrawal possible by already pulling much of our billions of dollars of equipment out and, more importantly, reducing our military presence to fewer than 2,000 troops from the 16,000 level that was there. Secondly, September 11 represents a very sad event and period for our country and should remain a day of reflection and remembrance honoring those great souls we lost. Getting out of Afghanistan is a wonderful and positive thing to do. I plan to withdraw on May 1st, and we should keep as close to that schedule as possible. This is something that Trump tweeted, uh, a statement by Donald J. Trump, earlier this year after Biden became president. And now you've got, you know, these right-wingers just all over the place. The America First Policy Institute, this is a, 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 you know, (laughs) a a pro-Trump think tank that has popped up. They're quoting the former director of national intelligence, John Ratcliffe, under Trump, basically blaming everything on Biden. They say President Trump personally engaged with Mullah Abdul Ghani Baradar, who led the Taliban delegation and clearly laid out what would happen. They understood and respected this approach because we had established credible deterrence in the preceding year which is why there was no U.S. soldiers killed in Afghanistan in the final 11 months we were in office. Well, there were no soldiers killed in Afghanistan because Trump cut a deal with the Taliban. He said, we'll give you the country if you'll just stop shooting at Americans. Make it look good for me. I'm up for re-election here. And what happened when Trump cut that deal, as the British defense secretary pointed out this morning on the BBC, what happened was that all across Afghanistan, Afghan soldiers who were getting a paycheck from the United States via the Afghan government. Those 300,000, 350,000 plus soldiers had been approached over the course of the previous year and a half since Trump cut that deal. Let's keep in mind, Joe Biden has only been in office, what, seven months? They were approached by the Taliban all across the country who said, stay cool. Keep pretending you're you're the Afghan military. Keep taking that money from America. But there's going to be a day, it's going to be coming, probably in August of 2021, there's going to be a day when we rise up and we're going to do it all across the country all at once. And then just lay down your arms and we will not kill you and your families. Everything will be good. And the BBC is reporting this. I'm not hearing it on American media much. There's an occasional reference to it. But there's a reason why it only took a week for the entire country to collapse. What I don't understand, I genuinely don't understand, is how our Secretary of State, Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, didn't know this. It should have been obvious. Donald Trump declared everybody's going to leave a year and a half ago. What he really was saying to the Afghan army was nobody's going to have your back going forward. You are on your own. And here comes the Taliban. What are you going to do? Hey, we're going to get in with the Taliban. I mean, who wants to die? This is, by the way, probably what made Jerry Ford a one-term president was his getting us out of Vietnam. And that iconic picture of those people hanging on to the wheels of the helicopter, falling off the helicopter as the last helicopter took off from the top of the uh, U.S. Air Force Base in, in Saigon. Now we've got people falling off airplanes, C-130s, as you know, American planes. It's, it's the exact same thing. And in both cases, it was a failure of our government to protect the people who had been with us. And I, you know, I get it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm guessing that at a certain point, the, the Biden administration was thinking, you know, how many people do we, do we take out of the country? I mean, if we take 20,000, 30,000, 50,000, 80,000, the, the number I'm hearing is that there are around 80,000 people who have been directly employed by the United States in the last couple of years who therefore have targets on their backs, we have taken 2,000 of them out of the country. How did we not take out the rest of them earlier and their families? How did we not see this coming? Trump announced this almost two years ago when he cut the deal with the Taliban over the objections of the Afghan government. He cut the government out of the deal. He made a deal with terrorists. In fact, he asked Pakistan to let their leader out of jail and we are now reaping what we sowed. And then, of course, you know, go back to 2001. How did all this start? It all started with a criminal act against the United States that George W. Bush decided to treat as an act of war. And he had to go after a country. I mean, who was behind 9-11? Well, it turns out if any country had any involvement in it, and I, and I don't think that we've successfully pinned this on any individual government, But it looks like there were some fairly well-placed people in the Saudi government who had something to do with support of some of the people who were involved in it. But the planning was done in Germany by Mohammed Atta and in Venice, Florida, when Mohammed Atta came to the United States and finally put the deal together. We've got Atta. He's in prison over this. What did Afghanistan have to do with it? As far as I can tell, nothing. Bin Laden had his little terrorist training camp there. He had 20,000 people go through it over the previous 10 or 15 years. There were about 5,000 people there hanging out with him at the time, although on 9-11, he was in Pakistan getting dialysis. Anyhow, where do we go from here? What do we do with this? And I'm I'm not even sure, you know, the, the politics of this thing... But I'm not even sure how to phrase how we should deal with the messages that are coming out of, you know, Republican partisans. People like Mike Rogers on CNN this morning, you know, well, this is Biden's fault. Excuse me? Well, oh, you know, Trump uh, did the right thing. Really? This is the Tom Hartman program. And you know, I'll I'll put it right up front. I'm I'm a partisan, but. I'm also critical of both sides of this. We got lied into a war we shouldn't have been lied into. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. And have you heard anybody in the mainstream media talk about George W. Bush trying to get us into Afghanistan and why? Just to recap, just to touch on some of these things. Number one, when will we stop letting presidents lie us into wars? We've we've covered that. I am not hearing anybody in in the mainstream media talking about how is it that we ended up in Afghanistan in the first place. Oh, 9-11. But wait a minute. Oh, and I, uh, earlier I said we had Mohammed Atta. That was actually Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. I mixed up my Khalid Sheikh Mohammed and my Mohammed Atta it was one of the hijackers who died. Uh, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was the guy who was planning and running the operation out of Pakistan. Not Afghanistan. Pakistan. But Bush didn't want to bomb Pakistan. Pakistan's got a huge army. They got an air force. They, 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 you know, they're trying to have nukes. They're our ally. We send them money. Number two, you've got Donald Trump out here saying that Joe Biden has surrendered America with regard to both Afghanistan and COVID. Well, Trump set up both these disasters. Trump set up the Afghanistan disaster in 2019 by by demanding that Pakistan let the terrorist leader of the Taliban out of prison and then directly negotiating with that guy, inviting him to Camp David, directly negotiating with that guy over the opposition of the Afghan government. And then when he was done with the negotiations, publicly announcing that on May 21st, uh, excuse me, May 1st of 2021, America was going to completely pull all our troops out of Afghanistan. And he said that back in 2019. This was part of his reelection campaign strategy. And the deal he cut with the Taliban is, we will hand the country over to you if you'll stop shooting at American soldiers for the rest of my presidency. Trump just, you know, was just bragging, the last 11 months I was president, not a single soldier died. Well, that's because he told the Taliban, we'll give you the country. So number one, Trump, who is trying to blame Joe Biden for this thing, frankly, I think most of the blame for this disaster in a larger context rests with George W. Bush, who got us into it stupidly, although it was very profitable for Dick Cheney, whose company was on the verge of bankruptcy, And, and Donald Trump although you know obviously the execution of getting our people out has been badly flawed but so anyhow trump is saying that biden screwed up two things that and covid well how did biden screw up covid he's he's trying to get people vaccinated and you've got you know these these crazy right wing governors who are saying no you must send your children to school where they and they can't wear masks or they can or some, they're going to hang out with people who refuse to wear masks and so your kids are going to come home with COVID. So you're going to get COVID. So good luck. It's like this is Trump's death cult, and they're trying to blame it all on Joe Biden. I, you know, is it going to stick? I don't know. It's a very, very good question. And then finally, is Greg Abbott actually going to start throwing children in, or uh, teachers in jail for mandating masks in Texas? You've got school districts who are standing up to him saying, we are going to, you know, we don't want to die. You had four teachers die in one day in Georgia last week. Four teachers in one day. So are these Republicans going to get away with this? I honestly don't know the answer to that question, which is such an astonishing thing. You know, given given the nature of uh, of everything of this country and everything else that's going on, that you know, it's it, is it possible that a governor could just like lead their people to COVID death like lambs to slaughter and then get reelected and then be the hero? The whole the the whole thing. I mean, you just you add stack these things up, and uh, it's just breathtaking. Anyhow, picking up your phone calls, Paul in Woodenville, Washington. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind?
6: Well, Tom, let me say first that my remarks today are not intended to be directed toward you specifically uh, or about anything that you're saying, but (laughs) you just take them how you take them, (laughs) receive them how you may. But I think this entire discussion of uh, on a national level of the past week about pulling out of Afghanistan is a big, hypocritical American political football game.
2: Past week, we've been having this conversation for two years.
6: No, no, we haven't. No, we haven't. Exactly my point. Nobody cares about this because we don't know anything about it. Six months ago, two years ago, if you'd asked somebody, what do you think about what's going on in Afghanistan? They'd say, I don't know, are we still there? You see, we haven't had the nightly news footage of oh the war in Afghanistan drags on, look at the dead, look at the people. Yeah, now we've got the outrage. pictures and
2: everybody's freaked out. I get it.
6: Yeah. Now now everybody has an opinion. Oh Biden shouldn't have done this is all we make this war out that's twelve thousand miles away. We make this all out to be it's all about us. It's all about Biden and Trump and who got us in there. Paul, you know, it was, we it was we
2: several weeks ago that Uh, A number of shows on MSNBC, pretty much all I've been watching lately in the evening for primetime news, particularly Rachel Maddow, started having people on the air talking about how we've got to get our translators out of that country, we've got to get the people who've worked with us and for us out of that country, we've got to do it now. And the Biden administration was not moving forward, the State Department was moving very slow on processing the paperwork. Um, Rachel was, you know, on air wondering out loud if there were Trump holdovers in the State Department who were screwing this thing up. I mean, there, there, there is going to be a reckoning. There's going to be a cleaning up of this. But if your point is that, you know, hey, it's a distant country and Americans don't care. Yeah, okay, point made. Yeah, but no,
6: wait. The, the thing is, we don't know. Okay, I, I watch Rachel every night. I, I've seen all that. But I'm saying that's been relatively recently. And I'm saying... In the last 20 years, as a, as a country, we haven't learned a damn thing more about Afghanistan than we ever knew before. Right, and we that would be very different if we had a
2: draft, the by the way.
6: We don't know anything more about the culture. We don't know anything about the people there. You know, you know I, 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 I want to point out is that we call the Taliban the terrorists. No, they're not. Al-Qaeda no, was the terrorist. Taliban has not been has not been uh, held responsible for any terrorist action. They might be a, a white-wing uh, right uh, extremist Wahhabi uh, paramilitary group that are not nice guys but they're not terrorists that's not we don't we don't well, know of any terrorist acts that they d- have committed if if if, have- if
2: you were a christian or a jew or or even a, Su- uh, a shia a muslim in afghanistan you would have a very different definition of the taliban
6: i, I i'm not saying they're nice guys But we make this all about we're in there for what reason because of 9-11. I think you pointed this out. This was really a Dick Cheney special to raid them of their uh, rare earth minerals. That's really the only reason we ever got in there. I don't think it ever had anything to do with terrorism. But the the fact of the matter is, Tom, America doesn't really know much more about 9-11. Than we did right after 9-11 we haven't had a deep dive into that we've never had a deep dive into afghanistan and who the people are and what we're doing there we, we want everything to be so insular and now all of a sudden everybody's upset about pulling out of there and by the way tom this whole thing about people hanging out this is the same thing that happened in saigon in 75 people hanging out of the helicopters and the commentary about all oh, the afghans soon as we soon as we pull out they just drop their gun same thing we said about the south vietnamese it's all a blame the other country when our when our foreign policy fails we blame them it's a bunch of hypocritical crap it really yeah. is
2: okay I'm, I'm with you i can't dispute any of that paul uh thank <laughs> you right. very much jackie in port orchard washington um, i'd just like to appeal to
5: all of your listeners right now there's devastating things happening and all over the globe but after your show take two minutes Send love and light for two minutes to all of Afghanistan and its population and everybody making decisions for the Afghanistan
2: I'm with you. I'm with you. And I I believe in that stuff, Jackie. I think that, you know, our thoughts have power and uh, and our prayers have power. Jackie, thank you for the call. Love and light to the people of Afghanistan. They sure need it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.